it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The President of the United States is speaking right now. We'll be able to dip in and out of it. His first press conference, he's taking his first question uh, at the NATO summit in Madrid. Of course, there's a series of announcements of talking about Sweden and Finland are in, and that is better than great news. Number two, you're talking about bolstering up and uh, increasing a true presence in places like Poland, Czech Republic, and beyond. And Sweden and Finland are already paying the 2% of their GDP into the defense budget, and that's a nightmare for Russia. They also have some good news on the Russia-Ukraine front, and Ukraine has taken back Snake Island. What's the big deal? It's a huge deal. Both sides confirm it, and it opens up the possibility of opening up the ports of the Black Sea to allow food and grain, and other things to get out. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I'm absolutely confident in her credibility. Uh, I'm confident in her testimony. The committee is not going to stand by and watch her character be assassinated by anonymous sources and by men who are claiming executive privilege. Really? Okay. Uh, Let's call the Secret Service up then to dispute... This woman's story. Make or break time for the June 6th, uh, January uh, 6th committee. After their star witness has her story challenged by Secret Service and one of her main sources. If Cheney and Schiff don't let officers clear their record, any suggestion of a fair process is lost. Number two. New high in his disapproval rating. It's over 57% for the first time. That is Tom Bevan talking about Joe Biden under scrutiny. From his ongoing trip overseas to his domestic troubles at home to his cratering approval ratings you just heard. He's facing pressure on all sides. We will see how both the right and left are trying to outflank him while he's away. Number one. We also need to take seriously the fact that we have a broken immigration system that was decimated by the last administration. Kamala Harris. Arrest made in three horrid deaths. Uh, in the hard deaths of 53 that were abandoned in a tractor trailer at the border. The White House reaction? Blame Trump. It's laughable and predictable as we also await the Supreme Court decision that might force the administration to keep one of the least and most of the, the most effective Trump policy in place, and that's remain in Mexico. So keep in mind, they're supposed to keep Title 46 in place to make everybody turn around, Title 42 in place to make people turn around because of the pandemic. That stays in place because of a judge. A judge put Remain in Mexico in place. That that judge, that was reversed, and it was stayed by a judge. But this administration is ignoring it. So it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will rule on it and hand it down most likely sometime today. So the original story that I wanted to go over with you is what is happening at the border. It's a horrific story. It doesn't get any better, but it seems like everybody outside Fox is ignoring. I mean, Bill Malusian... You see Griff Jenkins, you see countless reporters at the border seeing thousands come here illegally. You're talking about two trillion, two million have come across our border since Joe Biden took over. Over one million already this year. I don't have to remind you that we're still in June, June 30th. 
So that means we're going to set an all-time record. It's going to be a record summer. Come one, come all. But suddenly, we are in this situation of a tractor-trailer who was supposed to be a refrigerator truck. It was mocked up inside 53 dead bodies, about 18 survivors. The driver on meth pretended to be one of the victims or somebody trying to survive. They got him and the other people that commissioned the actual truck. Why? 10000 a person. Bring them all up, an 18-wheeler. Think about all the—you make a million dollars with that trip. It's so horrific, even the president commented overseas. And Greg Abbott is beside himself. Here he is. Cut three. This, this is not even close uh, to the first death that's occurred. There's been hundreds of people who lost their lives this year because of Biden's open border policies. Uh, and it gets worse than that. And so Biden needs to start uh, fulfilling his responsibilities as commander-in-chief and secure the border. So that prompted Kamala Harris to say this, cut one. How the governor of that state responded really highlights part of the problem. Because his response, where there are 50 dead bodies in his state, is to go straight to politics instead of dealing with the realities of the issue. We also need to take seriously the fact that we have a broken immigration system that was decimated by the last administration. And we've been trying to, and we are on the path doing it, to fix that broken system. You are doing absolutely nothing except for inviting the Central and South American nations. You have Eastern European countries. Venezuela is emptying their country. Cuba, everybody's coming through. You're doing nothing to fix it. You wouldn't even know what a, a fix looks like. And please explain to me what is broken about this system. The first thing you do before you reform the immigration system, and I'm all for reform, is And I would be opening up consulates, have more work visas to fill a lot of the jobs that Americans don't want to do or we don't have enough people to do. I'm not sure what the issue is, but more work visas is preferable. I get it. But until you seal the border, we can't do anything with our consulates and embassies. And they've done nothing to do that. And he's not playing politics. He's living it because the federal government will not seal the border. The president's got to use the Texas Rangers, the National Guard, because they won't put up the wall that we paid for with the sophisticated technology involved in all of it. He's got to put together his own wall from his own Texas tax dollars. And he's playing politics. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. He's actually reacted to what's happening at the border. Cut five. Today I'm announcing that uh, Texas is going to add additional truck checkpoints. DPS will create and implement a checkpoint strategy beginning immediately where, where they will begin targeting trucks like the one that was used where these people perished uh, to make sure that we will have a better capability of perhaps stopping future trucks like that, as well as uh, stopping the the smugglers and the cartel members who are trying to profiteer off of it. Is that politics or is that taking action at the border? I'm I'm wondering, where is the governor of Arizona? Your border is an absolute train wreck, and most of it's not your fault. Republican governor, I know you're term limited out, but say something. So the president's out there meeting with NATO at the same time commenting on Roe v. Wade. He's taking questions for the first time in months, in months. And hopefully uh, he'll answer some questions succinctly, but he likes to vilify. He likes to vilify Republicans. He likes to vilify the Supreme Court. He likes to vilify anybody that doesn't agree with him, uh, many of which are going to be his own party soon when he turns out they do not 
uh, yeah, when, when it turns out they do not want him to run again. And that is another story we're going to be getting to. But here's one of the first questions he was just asked. Again, he's in Madrid taking questions from the world press. And you've come to this summit here and the one in Germany after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned constitutional protections for abortion, after the shootings in Buffalo and Texas, at a time of record inflation, and as new polling this week shows that 85% of the U.S. public thinks the country is going in the wrong direction. How do you explain this to those people who feel the country is going in the wrong direction, including some of the leaders you've been meeting with this week, who think that when you put all of this together, it amounts to an America that is going backward. They do not think that. You haven't found one person, one world leader to say America is going backwards. America is better positioned to lead the world than we ever have been. We have the strongest economy in the world. Our inflation rates are lower than other nations in the world. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States an overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. But I have not seen anyone come up to me do anything other than, nor have you heard them say anything other than, thank you for America's leadership. You've changed the dynamic of NATO and the G7. So I... Uh, I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of what the Supreme Court did. I can understand why the American people are frustrated because of inflation. But inflation is higher in almost every other country. Prices of the pump are higher in almost every other country. We're better positioned to deal with this than anyone, but we have a way to go. And the Supreme Court, we have to change that decision by codifying Roe v. Wade. Unbelievable that he'll be overseas in Madrid vilifying our Supreme Court. Unbelievable they attack another branch of the U.S. government, which goes to the fact that that's why people are down about the government, attacking institutions from institutions. Do you see the Supreme Court attacking the president, even though he does so many things that are unconstitutional, with his executive orders on down? Number one, flat out inaccurate. Inflation is higher in most other countries, not in China, not in Australia, not in France, not in England. England, excuse me, that's the one place it is, not in Germany. Uh, not in most Middle Eastern countries. In westernized countries, we're one of the highest. And a lot has to do with your refusal to drill oil, to beg middle the Middle East. At the same time, you have an LNG plant opening up uh, the Canadians are putting for Europe in Europe so they can give their natural gas to them. One of the greenest countries around. We're not doing anything extra. So that is... Uh, Typical Joe Biden, totally inappropriate. You would think after doing this job for 50 years, he would know it would fly and wouldn't fly overseas. Americans are down about how the Supreme Court ruled. Some, sure. You're going to say all? Some are elated. Some have spent 50 years trying to get to this moment. So many people are happy that some uh, infants will live rather than die, believe it or not. So we'll continue to pull some cuts on the president, but that is why— World leaders, all world leaders think we're heading in the right direction. Okay, fantastic. I don't know. People didn't like Trump because he was calling a lot of people out. But he made people re- – you asked the, uh, the, the leader of NATO about Trump, almost everything he said, calling him out, making them pay more, having them pony up more dollars was something Obama and Bush both asked for, did not get, and it's something that uh, Donald Trump did. 
No doubt about it. Donald Trump definitely rattled cages. But nobody can feel reassured seeing Joe Biden in public or in private where he can barely get a sentence out. But we'll have to go with his word that everybody's elated that he's there. So meanwhile, let me just give you some stats that I don't think he's too elated about. When it comes to the border, 239,000 have come in, 1.5 million in since October of this year, a million since the calendar year. The Supreme Court, which he doesn't uh, like their decisions, many people thrilled by their decisions. What that reporter was referring to is an AP poll. Overall, 85% of the country thinks we're heading in the wrong direction. 78% of Democrats, really. 92% of Republicans. His job approval, 33 in the Q poll, 39 in the AP poll. So good luck with that. How many people are proud to be an American under the Biden administration? Just 38%. 27% very proud, moderately proud, 22%. All those are all-time lows. I don't feel that way. I think we're a self-correcting country. We're going to pull it all together, and we're in the process of doing that because we're seeing this green-first attitude. I mean, the president did it again. In his remarks, you haven't heard yet. That he came out and he says, "Look at all the deals we did. We have a we have a uh, solar power uh, a solar power panel uh, installation going in in Angola. Nobody cares about Angola solar panels when we got so many legitimate challenges here, including a raging war in the Ukraine, which we're writing countless checks for. So this is pretty amazing. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more clips." Uh, from the president's remarks in his first press conference in uh, Madrid, Spain. Spain. He's taking questions. He's got his list. Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The bottom line is, ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. The reason why the food crisis exists is because of Russia. Russia not allowing grain to get out of Ukraine. And so that's the... That's the way in which I think we should move, and I think it would have a positive impact on the price of the pump as well. Unbelievable. That is totally inaccurate. Uh, There's no decrease in oil on the world market since the war started. Blaming Russia is a convenient. It also is counterproductive because it lets Vladimir Putin thinks he's ruling the world, more power than he has, that he's winning this fight, that to stay in there and sacrifice your kids in a war that you choose— to, to a sovereign country next door that had no interest in fighting you is because the world needs to learn a lesson and you have so much control in Russia, you can control food and you control gas and oil. 
So totally irresponsible, totally inaccurate. There'll be massive pushbacks on that. And when he's questioned again, I'm sure he's going to vilify the windfall profits of oil and gas companies. The biggest news, though, to emerge is he just has called for, in a specific moment, for this moment only, yeah, right, to the elimination of the filibuster in the Senate to codify Roe v. Wade. Really? In what was offered, they do have a, a abortion being legal up until the moment of birth. Good luck with that. So you have pro-life Democrats, who I believe you described Joe Manchin with that, who are going to give up the filibuster and codify Roe v. Wade. I'm not sure that'll happen. But who knows? Who knows if Susan Collins feels like she was lied to, which some people say in Murkowski, about what Kavanaugh would do, maybe she'll do that. The filibuster, again, for the first time that I know, the president, who's been in the Senate for four decades, says, let's get rid of it for Roe v. Wade. Amazing. Amazing for him to stand up on the world stage and vilify another branch of government. And you wonder why the world perception of America might be changing? Because you're doing it to yourself through acting irresponsible on the world stage by making up a Russia collusion fairy tale for four years. You've destroyed any relationship with that brutal dictator, Vladimir Putin, or any peaceful coexistence. You prevented any progress from being made. And when this guy takes over, all hell breaks loose within months. Troops well up. Invasion takes place. Don't tell me it's all not related. When you bring domestic policies and rivalries overseas, got a huge problem with that. Here is the president announcing he knows exactly how to blow up another institution. We have to change. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. And the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be we provide an exception for this, the except the require an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision. You realize there's an excellent chance he's losing the Senate. Excellent chance. Harry Reith would be a great idea to have judges um, blow up the filibuster to get judges onto the courts. And when Donald Trump takes over with 53 senators, he says, yeah, yeah, they're going to do the same thing for Supreme Court. They go, wait a second, what's for Supreme Court? He goes, tough. You blew up the filibuster for the courts. You set the precedent. We're going to take a simple majority for Supreme Court. If this president thinks he's going to ask for just an exception for the filibuster to codify Roe v. Wade, when there's a lot of people, and I think the polls show most people before letting Roe v. Wade stand, but there's a lot of people that don't feel that way. Now that it's overturned, it's a lifelong dream come true. It means a lot of babies are not going to be killed in the womb. And because of that, they're happy. But he says, let's have an exception. If the filibuster gets in the way, blow it up. If you lose the Senate and eventually lose the White House, where the country is really indicating that's going to happen, get ready to an America that you're probably not going to like Joe Biden and fellow Democrats from the squad on down. A lot of news breaking. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Uh, And we hope, obviously, that the Supreme Court will uphold the remain of Mexico policy. But upholding the policy, obviously, uh, is only on paper. 
if the Biden administration does not follow that standard. For one, if they do not follow the standard, Texas can take legal action and go to court to hold the president, to hold Secretary Mayorkas and other operatives in the federal government in contempt of court uh, if they fail to live up to that order. And that's exactly what we will be seeking to do. Yeah, uh, whatever you think of of the governor of Texas, he takes action. He is not ducked away from anything. He put people on buses. He stopped people at the border. He built his own wall. He unleashed the Texas Rangers, the National Guard. And Kamala Harris says he's playing politics. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us now. He's uh, the American Constitutional Rights Union Executive Director, ran against Governor Abbott. But I'm stunned to see that the vice president's reaction to this, uh, Colonel West, is, Oh, the governor's just playing politics. Well, it's good to be with you, Brian, and uh, glad that you were there for the uh, Navy Memorial Museum unveiling. The thing is this, the ideological rights of the left outweigh any you know, constitutional right or anything in the Constitution that is supposed to be applied. They want an open borders agenda. They want to undermine the sovereignty of the United States of America, which in doing so, they're in violation of the Constitution. And the Constitution gives the governor of any state the ability to do what the federal government is not doing and that they're supposed to protect us from invasion. Look, right now, the Biden administration, Kamala Harris, the whole cast of characters, they are aiding and abetting a drug, a sex, and a human trafficking crisis. And when you see what happened here in Texas with those, I think over uh, 55 uh, illegal immigrants who suffocated and died in in that tractor trailer, that is on the hands of the Biden administration. And so, therefore, the governor uh, here in Texas has every right to be able to establish checkpoints, flash checkpoints. We need to declare the cartels as a terrorist organization and go after the people that are working with them, being uh, Mexican nationals, uh, foreign nationals, and also American citizens that are here. There are means by which we can deal with that. And we need to stop the the not-for-profit organizations, these 501c3s. Absolutely, these NGOs. Enabling this. Yeah, Yeah, Catholic charities too. How do you feel if you're a Catholic? You're giving money to Catholic charities, and they're 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 a big magnet to Venezuelan, Hondurans, Guatemalans to make this trip to put their kids with a bunch of human traffickers, coyotes to come here. This is unbelievable cash grab on a charitable by charitable organizations using our taxpayer dollars. Yes, and that's the shame of it is that the American taxpayer is funding the uh, you know the undermining of the sovereignty of this country and the flow of illegal immigrants into this country. And so the governor can you know revoke the 501c3 uh, status because you have to apply for that in the state. It's a privilege to be able to do that. So we revoke that and keep them from doing it. Look, one so he could do that. Biden- Abbott could do that right now. Absolutely. You you revoke their 501c3 status because they have to apply for that. In every state, a not-for-profit has to apply for status to operate in that state. So you revoke it, and, and they're out of here. And if they continue to try to operate, then they're violating the law, and you arrest them. And so that's how we have to get tough with what is happening here in the, in the state of Texas because this has gone beyond – you know, any belief when you're talking about three million and we just recently had Afghans who came across the uh, the border illegally. So now we, we have to start worrying again about the terrorist threat that could come across this border. So, Mike, but the president of the United States just had his first press conference in mm-hmm. months and it lasted 30 minutes, at which time most of it was about the Supreme Court. And I'm not going to play any sound bites to take away your time, but he just said he is calling for an exception to the filibuster to codify Roe v. Wade. 
Number one, if you blow up the filibuster with 130 days into the midterms, when there's an excellent chance of you losing the Senate, you have changed yeah. the complexion of a body that you you told me you used to relish. And now that's not that's gone too. Goodbye, institution after institution. What's your what's your reaction to that? Well, so much for the people that say they are there to protect the democratic institutions of the United States of America. You've got people now, they want to pack the Supreme Court, they want to assassinate Supreme Court justices, now they want to take away the filibuster. And what you see happening is the imbecilic reaction of spoiled children. What has happened in the United States of America, you just go to the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment, all the powers not delegated to the federal government or reserved to the states and to the people. That's where this issue should be, at the state level and where the people can decide. But that's not good enough for the progressive socialist left. They are totalitarian. They want to dictate this issue, and they want to mandate it from on high all across the United States of America. They don't believe in federalism. They don't believe in the the rights of states to be able to make decisions, and they certainly don't want this issue in the hands of the people. So for whatever reason, they are just going – you know what, to the wall about this thing of murdering unborn children in the womb by dismemberment, by poisoning, and what have you. And to think that they're talking about putting abortion clinics on federal property, yep. which means that, you know, that's going to be, again, sponsored by the taxpayers, that's a violation of the Hyde Amendment. So, a <laughs> couple of things. He also, brought, he also challenged the integrity of the Supreme Court in Madrid. Mm-hmm. Another branch of government. How irresponsible Mm -hmm. is that? What is he, some 35-year-old just out of college? Or is he 78, who's been the chairman of foreign relations and a vice president, very savvy on what works and what doesn't work when you're overseas? How ridiculous, how, how unacceptable is that, Colonel West? It's completely unacceptable because in the United States of America, and we're about to celebrate our 246th uh, you know, anniversary as an independent nation, we have three branches of government. They are co-equal branches of government. We have a system of checks and balances. And when you now have the executive branch, to include the comments of Merrick Garland going after the Supreme Court, and you have the legislative branch, which is now talking about ending the filibuster, talking about packing the courts, they are attacking another branch of our government. This is how we lose our democracy or we undermine our own democratic institutions. This is not happening because of President Trump. This is happening because of Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and all of these leftists, uh, AOC, you know, all of them. He just said um, he just said that America is in in indulgence because of the Supreme Court ruling, as if there's nobody who's rejoicing because of the Supreme Court ruling. He also said everything's going great. They were happy that I'm leading the world again. Our our economy's doing better. Our inflation's lower than just about everybody else's. Blame Russia, Russia, Russia for high gas prices. So let's take a look on the G7 countries with inflation rates. Ours is 8.3. France is 4.8, Canada is 6.8, mm-hmm. Germany 7.4, Japan is 2.5, China is 2.5, mm-hmm. Italy 6.0. The U.K. is the closest to a 7.8. So out of the G7, we're the highest. But he could just sit up there and just make stuff up, and he seems to be getting a pass on that. I don't, actually don't. I think the American people have had it. Their 39% approval rating kind of says that. Don't you agree, even with the compliant press? 
No, absolutely right, because the truth is getting out there. And thanks to, you know, you and many other media platforms and, you know, the little podcast that I do, we are educating and informing the American people of what's really happening. When you look at our inflation and, you know, the the uh, the producer price inflation is over 10 percent. So that is even worse. And when you talk about releasing oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, that's not the purpose of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That's supposed to be there for emergencies, not because you have a failed energy policy uh, and you're trying to protect that. And and to say that we we could do these things, you know, suspend the gas tax, and he's only talking about two or three months. And I think it was on uh, Jesse Ward's show, I believe they talked about it. that's just 17 cents of actual reduction uh, where that would come out to be. So these are all, you know, trying to put a Band-Aid on a sucking chest wound. And the American people see through this. The the, the crisis that we have in, in shortages of food, baby form and all that, that has nothing to do with Russia. It's the fact that we can't get these things to to the to the market because of the diesel prices and, and all of the holdups we have at our port facilities and things of that nature. So this is a failing president, and you're going to see his approval rating go even lower, I believe, by the end of the summer. Uh, well, absolutely. So a couple of things going on. Everyone's going after Clarence Thomas now. Uh, and you must mm-hmm. understand this feeling as a conservative Republican who happens to be yep. black, all of a sudden you're supposed to think a certain way. If not, you basically gave in to uh, to the white man, I guess. So Senator Tim yeah. Scott was asked about the attacks on Clarence Thomas. Here's what he said last night. Cut eight. Well, I certainly think that the greatest threat to the liberal coalition are black conservatives who stand up and think for ourselves. We, we represent the fact that the African-American community is not a monolithic community. If you could ever break the stronghold that the Democrats have in the African-American community, the entire coalition falls apart. And think about this, Jesse. President Biden's approval ratings have never been lower in the African-American community and the Hispanic community. The last thing people want to see are people like Clarence Thomas, Ben Carson, and myself standing up and making common sense popular everywhere in the nation. And oh, by the way, we happen to be black. That is a great threat to the entire coalition on the left. So they want to shut it down, cancel Clarence Thomas because he dares to think for himself. But more importantly, don't you think for yourself because they want the price to be so high that you don't ever dare to leave wherever they say you should sit. So I wanted you to take that wherever you wanted to. Yeah, absolutely right. You think about what Joe Biden said when he was running for president. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That's how denigrating and disparaging they think in that you don't have a mind of of your own. Your skin color dictates that. And when I think about Clarence Thomas, and and he even talked about this back when he went to was going through his nomination process. And of course, who was the head of that uh, Judiciary Committee at the time? It was Joe Biden. So we have seen this play out. And without a doubt, I believe that you're seeing a rising voice in the black community that uh, is going back to conservative principles and values. My ideological mentor is uh, is Booker T. Washington, and I really believe that he is one of the great conservative voices, uh, without a doubt, the father of black conservatism, because he believed in education, entrepreneurship, and self-reliance. And I believe that the black community is going to go back to that. You saw Myra Flores uh, win her congressional district here in Texas. The Hispanic community is waking up to that as well. So uh, building on that, yeah, Booker D. Washington, born a slave. He ends up being a thought mm-hmm. leader of the country and an influential mm-hmm. advisor to Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, don't tell me you can't do anything here. 
So Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg had an announcement this morning. He's putting a billion dollars in a first-of-its-kind pilot program needed helping reconnect cities and neighborhoods racially segregated or divided by road projects, pledging wide-ranging help to dozens of communities. Are there black communities with no roads to connect them? Uh, no. Uh, I, I have not seen that. And, and, you know, you can go to South Dallas and, and or anywhere here in Texas or anywhere across the United States of America. I think that Pete Buttigieg should be more so concerned about what is happening with all these canceling flights and things of that nature. Uh, he should be more so concerned about the price of diesel gasoline, which is severely affecting our supply chain. But this is what the left goes back to is this cultural Marxism. And as a matter of fact, look at the detrimental effects that cultural Marxism is having on our military. They are begging retired generals to go out and talk about uh, being a, a, you know, a part of the military because they have the lowest recruiting uh, numbers that they have seen in quite some time because people don't want to join. Now, I will tell you this. My son-in-law, my youngest daughter, uh, husband, he is right now at Fort Jackson, South Carolina, because uh, he and I had a talk, and he wants to be an Army officer, and so he's going through basic training right now. But the Army is struggling, and all of our major institutions are struggling because of this cultural Marxism, and Pete Buttigieg is just a reflection of that. Right. I'm talking about the glory of serving. And how about this? Kick out 5,000 members because they didn't want to get vaccinated? A vaccine that's ineffective yeah. on the five subsequent variants with the guy who's pushing it, Anthony Fauci, four shots and got two bouts in two weeks? So you're going to go make mm-hmm. the healthiest people in our country, arguably, in the military, get a shot or get out and won't even get an honorable discharge at a time in which the numbers are down in every branch of government. That is the idiot. These are the idiots running our country right now. And for Lloyd Austin to be a general and just because he's secretary of defense to take that and not hand in his resignation because of that, to me, is unacceptable. But, you know, the code of officers. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, but sadly, there is no honor in uh, the people in this administration. Mallorca should be stepping down. The uh, the senior, you know, civilian leadership, starting with General Austin, should be stepping down. Miller, Millie should step down, but they don't have that semblance or sense of honor, and that is because there is no sense of honor starting with the person that is sitting in the Oval Office, and that's Joe Biden, who, as you just articulated, just delivered more lies upon lies upon lies and attack one of our own institutions, uh, our our judicial branch, which is you know our one of our three uh, you know branches of government. This this is, this is shameful, uh, but I believe that we'll start a course correction this November. Yeah, can't come soon enough, um, and we'll see mm-hmm. what's happening. With the 53 dead, suddenly people are realizing there's a problem at the border when we've been saying it every single week, and we have Bill Malusian and Griff Jenkins with basically yeah. the whole, with the beat it to itself. Uh, Colonel, we can go on forever. What's, how do we get your podcast? Sure. Uh, you can go to YouTube. It comes on every uh, Thursday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. So you can go to YouTube, and there are several other platforms out there. So if you like it, please share it. And uh, tonight we're going to be discussing the Roe versus Wade uh, issue and where does the pro-life movement go from there. All right. Here. Colonel Allen West, thanks so much. We're going to come back and take thanks. your calls. Uh, you got it. Uh, we're going to give you the latest from NATO. The president just took questions. Uh, we'll review some of his answers and try to make sense of it. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, 
the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. I think Ron DeSantis would work as a good president. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, what he's done for Florida has been admirable. He was correct when it comes to, like, deaths. He was correct when it comes to protecting our vulnerable populations. He was correct in terms of distribution of monoclonal antibodies. What he's done is stand up for freedoms. That is Joe Rogan speculating on who the Republican nominee would be. And keep in mind, he always brags that he picked Bernie Sanders, voted for Bernie Sanders. So he does not doubt there sitting there as a, uh, a red Republican, not saying, buddy, I'm going to vote for whoever puts up there as a nomination. This guy picks the best person for the country. I think a lot of people are like that. They see Ron DeSantis strong, but rational in his views. I don't know if he runs if Trump runs. After all, he would not be governor without Trump. Nobody disputes that that I know of. The guy that could run for sure that had meetings with donors over, uh, last week was a guy I spent last week, last Tuesday with, and that is Governor Glenn Youngkin. He lo- likes Trump. They get along. They knew each other from business. He helped the, the president with his, phase one of his China deal. But he's not indebted to the president. Nikki Haley running against the president, she basically said it's not going to happen. Mike Pompeo running against the president, I don't see it happening. Mike Pence running against the president, I'll see it, but he's not going to win as long as the president's up there sucking up the majority of the Trump fans. Well, Mike Pence is not more popular than Donald Trump among Donald Trump people. So you have uh, Chris Christie, uh, who probably put his hat into the ring. I don't see who else would go in there that I think be worthy of discussing that wouldn't go through Trump first. Not only do I think Trump's running, I think he's going to announce in the next couple of weeks. The question is how much damage is done by January 6th, how much damage is done by the way he's acted after the election loss, even with the disputes. Nobody actually, his policies look better than ever, believe me. His foreign policy, domestic policy is better than ever, believe me. His instincts are better than almost anybody else's in the country. The question is what kind of campaign will he run? Don't forget One Nation Saturday, a special, special show. It's Saturday at 8 o'clock. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, I paused for a moment because the, so much news is breaking, and I want to get you all of it. We're expecting two court cases to be decided by the Supreme Court and released. They're decided already. We just haven't gotten the text, uh, one of which is remain in Mexico. Can the Biden administration reverse that policy? Number two is the EPA. Uh, do they have the power to put, to get, put on these strict greenhouse l- uh, rules and regulations uh, onto these various different states. The West, uh, West Virginia sued to say, back off, let us do our own thing. And the Supreme Court has upheld on a 6-3 decision authored by Chief Justice Roberts uh, on the court's last day of the summer session. Uh, they say at issue was the, under, was the Clean Air Act. Congress constitutionally authorized the agency to issue significant regulations on states to reduce carbon dioxide by moving away from coal-fired plants. Some conservative justices express concern about what they see as a federal overreach. Well, the Supreme Court has ruled against the Biden administration over climate change authority. So if you thought the Biden administration was upset about Roe v. Wade and about about school choice, 
Uh, they're not going to like this at all. The president of the United States inexplicably just came out and moments about 45 minutes ago and ridiculed the Supreme Court, basically called it illegitimate in Madrid, Spain. You know, let's not do the big three. Let's just go right to Mark Thiessen. Mark, you're standing by. Mark, first off, your reaction to what the Supreme Court has just said in a 6-3 decision about the EPA overreach when it comes to energy. I haven't had a chance to read the decision, so uh, but I will tell you this. This court has, in just a matter of weeks, struck blows for unborn life, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, uh, and and now for uh, struck a struck a blow for the freedom of states to uh, to resist the war on fossil fuels. Uh, this is this is you know all credit. Uh, certainly to Mitch McConnell for doing for doing a great job in in uh, in ushering through these uh, these nominations and keeping uh, the, that Scalia seat open for Justice Gorsuch. But all credit to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the greatest American president when it comes to shaping the Supreme Court. Uh, he's the greatest pro-life president in American history. I, I have lots of quibbles with, and, and disagreements with him about a number of things he did in his presidency and his behavior after after uh, after the election. But he will go down in history as the most consequential president in American history in terms of shaping the Supreme Court. Coalition of the GOP-led states had sued to block the Biden administration from moving uh, ahead to implement a new climate change policy. The Justice Department told the high court that a federal plan to scale back carbon emissions from power plants would not happen before year's ends. The administration argued coal-fired plants account for more than 30 percent of greenhouse gas output. Instead of waiting for the Biden administration to write a new carbon rule, the Supreme Court agreed to preemptively review EPA's authority to issue such a regulation in the first place. And they decided they did not have that authority. Boom. Yeah. Boom. And also, got, uh, thank uh, millions of energy consumers across the Midwest thank the Supreme, should be thanking the Supreme Court. Because the Washington Post reported a few weeks ago that we are about to have blackouts this summer across the Midwest. Now, we've always had blackouts in California, always had black, uh, blackouts in Texas. But the Midwest has had stable electricity uh, for decades. Why are we about to have blackouts? Because they are forcing, they, because of the war on fossil fuels, John Kerry went to the COP26 conference and said that we want to have no coal plants in America by, within the next eight years. And so the coal, the coal plants are not investing in upgrades and they're shutting down early and we don't have renewables or other alternative sources of energy to, uh, to, to replace them. And so as a result, there's not going to be in when the when the heat wave comes this summer, there's not going to be enough electricity to fit to to keep our air conditioners going and our lights on across uh, the Midwest. Unbelievable. So in Europe, they're refiring up their coal plants because they're no yep. longer using oil and gas from Russia. And it's necessary. And we are stripping ourselves down. We're, we're converting our refineries. So we're not able to even keep up with the world demand at this moment instead of making a ton of money while helping out our allies and sit and, and aiding our security. We are not capable of upgrading it, but the president's capable of vilifying the oil and gas companies and saying they're making windfall profits. Yeah, exactly right. And and by the way, not only – put aside fossil fuels for a second. They are not – we just shut down a major nuclear plant in Michigan. What, what, if you, if nuclear energy is green energy. It has no carbon emissions. Why on earth would, would the climate change movement and the Biden administration and Governor, uh, you know, the, the governor, Governor Whitmer in, in Michigan actually asked the Biden administration for help to keep the plant open and they refused from a Democrat governor. So they, they, this is a religion for them. They are so focused. This is more about, and I'll tell you, Brian, they, they will not admit it 
but they love these high gas prices. They love high energy prices because they don't want the political blowback, which is why they always say Putin price hike and try and blame Vladimir Putin for it and deflect the – but they, they love it because they think it's going to force us all just – like, just like when, when the government wanted to just stop people from smoking, they raised the price of cigarettes. They want to raise the price of fossil fuels so that we'll all get, so we'll all get, all go uh, electric on electric cars. Uh, well, I know, I don't know if you saw the president's press conference last about twenty five minutes. He said so many falsities. Number one, he said our gas prices are lower than most. It's not true. And when it comes to Western nations, our inflation is high, but not nearly as high as other countries. Not true. France not is true. at four. We're at eight point three. France is half that. Canada's at six point eight. Germany's seven four. Japan is two five. China's two two. Flat out just lying. To the American public. So this is uh, to the world, actually, because this is the world stage. And then he came out and he did the extraordinary thing of, of, of vilifying the Supreme Court, a co-equal branch of government on, in Madrid. Listen. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. Okay. Your thoughts about him answering that way. And by the way, he's not, abortion isn't banned. It's within the states. That's still, you're making your own decision. Where to live, your states are making their own decision, what to rule. Then he went one step further, Mark. Listen to this. We have to change. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. And the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be we provide an exception for this, the except the require an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision. He's calling for an end to the filibuster. He says just for this one decision. That's not his call. Does Harry? Does he remember what Harry Reid did and the result of that with the courts? Your reaction to both statements? So the first statement, um, he is he is now in Europe. Uh, Thirty nine of the forty two countries in the European Union ban elective abortion at fifteen weeks or sooner. None of those laws would be permitted under Roe v. Wade. So he's standing in European soil and attacking the court for a decision that if they that if it, if, if Roe v. Wade existed in Europe all of their abortion restrictions would be banned. There are only about seven countries in the entire world that allow elective abortions up to the moment of pregnancy. Two of them are China and North Korea. He, want, he is sitting in Europe saying that we should be more like North Korea and China than France and Germany and Spain. That's, that's what the president is doing. As for the filibuster, you know what? I, I will tell you something. First of all, I, I, it, there's, a, there's a strong argument to be made that uh, it would be unconstitutional to codify Roe v. Wade. I had John Yu on my podcast, What the Hell is Going On, uh, a few weeks ago, and he made the point that the Supreme Court has ruled in numerous cases that if they uh, if they make a ruling on on the constitutionality of, of something, the Congress cannot then go turn around and say, actually, we're codifying it and, te- and instructing Texas. And, like if they say to Mississippi, your law is constitutional, Congress cannot then go pass a law that says, no, actually, Mississippi, your law is unconstitutional and you have to get rid of it. So they don't even have that power, arguably. But what, getting rid of the filibuster to do this. So what's going to happen when the Republicans take over and control both houses of Congress and the, uh, and the presidency? Then they can turn it around and ban abortion nationally, right? 
and then we'll have this swing. You know, it's, it'll be like a national version of the Mexico City policy, where every year, every time a president from the other party comes in, they reverse the other party's policy. So we'll have this this seesaw of policies going forward. Well, first we'll, ab- we'll allow abortion, then we'll ban abortion, then we'll allow abortion, we'll ban abortion. Leave it to the states to impose reasonable restrictions that are consistent with the views of the people in that state. If you if you think that you should have abortion up until the ninth month in pregnancy, go live in New York, go live in California. And if you th- and, and in, in Mississippi and other places, you're not going to be able to, to, to do to do elective abortions. Wow, just this just something. came through. The court is allowing the end of the remain in Mexico policy. Yep. Wow. So so, so that that is what? not good uh, for immigration. Certainly yeah. not good for controlling the border. That that I you know I I agree with the remain in Mexico policy. It is probably they're probably right in saying that the that the uh, that the courts cannot order uh, the president of the United States to enter into an international agreement with another country. I didn't like it when the when the president would President uh, Trump tried to reverse his predecessor's decisions. And the courts intervened and stopped him from doing it, and it probably shouldn't happen here, regardless of the of the substance of the policy, which is that which is important. We should they should be they remain in Mexico. This is why we have the worst border crisis in American history. But you know what? The, the, the solution to that is to is for Biden to pay a price at the polls uh, in November, not for the Supreme Court to do it. So that is uh, all I can tell you. In the short term, it's going to be hellacious now at the border. If I'm in the border patrol, I might I might just say this is not even worth it anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm, all I'm doing is taking doing paperwork anyway. I can't even patrol the border. Uh, countries are literally emptying it out into our country, and we're putting, giving them schooling. We're giving them clean clothes. We're giving them sponsor homes. We're putting them up in facilities, all at our taxpayer dollars, overcrowding our classrooms, all because he won't do anything responsible. So the Remain in Mexico is going to – by the way, they're not even enforcing that anyway. But Title 42, they're barely even enforcing. People are getting through. Uh, it's going to take the a national outrage that's got to go past the media who's ignoring this story outside Fox. So no, no, no you're 100 percent correct. And also I'll connect one other dot, which is that the reason one of the reasons why we have the worst crime wave since the 1990s is because of the flood of illegal drugs coming through uh, through our southern border. Fentanyl deaths are at record levels. Uh, and the DEA did a study and found that in 32 cities, uh, the increase in gun deaths in those cities is directly related to drug crime activity in, in, in those cities. And what they do is they use the, the cartels are running this whole thing. They use the migrants to divert Border Patrol. They send them over a dangerous river where they start yep. drowning and then they get the Border Patrol over there. And then when that's happening, they go several miles down there, down and cr- cross over with the illegal drugs. So they're using these migrants as decoys to prevent us from from stopping them from bringing illegal drugs in the country, which is why we have these high murder rates across the United States. So just to review, the Remain in Mexico policy is gone. A court says, Joe Biden, you can end it, even though it was so effective for President Trump. But the other thing is a lot of things are going the Republicans' way. The Supreme Court also has decided against the EPA, limiting their power of regulating um, other ter- terms of fuel, fossil fuel and other nu- nuclear uh, and nuclear energy. So that's good news as West Virginia and a coalition of Republican-leaning states and coal producers uh, asked the Supreme Court to weigh in here. And they, the Supreme Court has sided with them over the EPA, saying that essentially you guys were overreaching. You factor that uh, with the president of the United States calling basically the Supreme Court illegitimate in Madrid, Spain. You have an attack on their institutions like I never thought possible, Mark Thiessen.
Amen. And, you know, I guess I guess the uh, decision on, on Remain in Mexico was illegitimate, too. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, we like that. <laughs> Except when he likes it. Except when he likes it. That's it. Because that's what this is all about, Brian. It's it's they don't like the, the outcomes. The, the left is driven by outcomes. Right. So I just said to you that I think the, the decision on Mexico, remain in Mexico, even though I prefer the policy outcome of having that policy in place, that is that is probably the right decision that the Supreme Court made. The left never says anything like that. The left never does that because they are all about outcome driven uh, decisions from the court. And whatever it takes to get there, it's judicial activism. They, they start with the outcome they want. And they reverse course and find a legal rationale for it. And that's what Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and the Republican Senate have put a stop to uh, by giving us a 6-3 conservative majority. Right. It doesn't mean everyone has to come in, but it means they, they don't, they're not mandated to stay. Uh, and I guess Mexico will go, OK, go ahead. Get out. You're not my problem anymore. Uh, but they'll be our problem. Chaos yep. at the border. 53 dead. People are finally paying attention. Uh, this has got to be fixed. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for bringing us through these, uh, this breaking news. My, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You got it. one 408 I'll come back and I'll take your calls. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The president is ending his trip. He's going to be back Friday. He's going to be meeting with uh, governors to come up with a deal, he says, to try and stop the ramifications of the end of Roe v. Wade uh, and letting states make their own decision. Uh, will he book a book for a tent city on federal land in Republican states? Will he use try to codify Roe v. Wade and, in fact, blow up the filibuster? Does that mean that every Democrat is going along with him for that, including who I believe is a pro-life Democrat named Joe Manchin? What a day. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The bottom line is, ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. The reason why the food crisis exists is because of Russia. Russia not allowing grain to get out of Ukraine. And so that's the... That's the way in which I think we should move, and I think it would have a positive impact on the price at the pump as well. Not true. Not accurate. Goes on to say that inflation is uh, a lot higher in other countries when China, Japan, France, Canada, Germany all have lower inflation than us. And then he goes and delegitimizes the Supreme Court. Two Supreme Court decisions are down. The EPA overreached when it came to regulating uh, uh, Fossil fuels in different countries, West Point and some others, uh, sued the EPA. They overreached. That is great news for our economy. Uh, the Biden administration does win. They can eliminate the Remain in Mexico policy. That is bad for the country, but it's probably good for them. Mark is in Staten Island on, listening on WABC. Hey, Mark. Yeah, good morning. The situation at the border. I have a suggestion. First of all, why doesn't the Coast Guard patrol the Rio Grande? I think the Coast Guard is uh, patrolling the Rio Grande. They do? Yeah. But they're not able to get everybody. Okay, that's good news. I wasn't told that. Second of all, about these drones, why doesn't the National Guard shoot them down or disable them or somehow uh, bring them down? 
I haven't heard anything about what that. What are you talking about? You mean they're not attacking the electric drones? drones. Using... The, the cartels send up drones in order to find out where to send the mules. Okay? So they see a part of the border not patrolled. That's where they send the mules. So why, does, why, why doesn't the governor send the Coast Guard, I mean, the, the National Guard to disable these drones that the cartels are sending up? All right. I think it's a, a minor part of the problem. When you have 1.4 million people, the drugs are an issue, but the 1.4 million are even a bigger issue. Thanks for the call. Uh, we come back. Daryl Johnson, uh, the NFL legend. He's now an uh, executive with the USFL. they got a championship game on Sunday. Then we'll do a simulcast of Barney and Company about these rulings that are going to impact our economy in one way, in a positive way. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. Some uh, big news is breaking. A couple of things. President of the United States, first press conference in months, able to go over what he thinks the accomplishments are at NATO. He's going to be heading over to the Middle East. I get it. He's going to be uh, also talked about, was able to take questions, and everything was about Roe v. Wade. He basically tried to delegitimize the Supreme Court, and he says he's going to look to go around the Supreme Court through a series of executive actions and is open. Now he's urging for the elimination of the filibuster for this, just this narrow ruling. Forget it, to codify Roe v. Wade. The other thing is two Supreme Court justice opinions just came down. Remain in Mexico is on the docket. So is the EPA overreach when it came to these to these states and how much power they have to regulate energy, especially as it relates to fossil fuels. Here's a breakdown of what Jonathan Turley says the results are. The Biden administration eked out a victory here. It's not too surprising with the lineup. Uh, this is a classic Roberts decision. It's accommodating. It's narrow. And he brought along uh, Justice Kavanaugh here. Uh, when Kavanaugh was appointed, I, I wrote a column saying that while President Trump said that he was looking for someone who would not be a John Roberts, he couldn't have found someone that was more similar in his uh, approach. And it's, it's like opinions like this where you see that that's, that's true, that they're cut from the same bolt. They tend to be more incremental. They tend to be more narrow. Uh, in this case, they are, re- they are reversing the decision. Uh, and saying that um, the Court of Appeals was wrong to say that this was a violation of uh, federal law. Uh, But it is a very narrow decision in that sense. So today as a whole, it's sort of a a split judgment for the Biden administration. But quite frankly, the loss on the EPA side will be felt more acutely uh, by uh, the federal government. No question. We'll discuss that in a moment, as well as the president's remarks and blowing up at the filibuster and the EPA is really going to affect the economy. It hasn't stopped the market from dropping 420 points. That's how the futures led us to believe this market would go today, and it's exactly playing out that way. Let's bring in for a little break from this is somebody who's focused more on Sunday than Thursday because Sunday is the end of the first USFL season. There'll be a second one. Joining us now, NFL legend, former Dallas Cowboys fullback, Daryl Johnston, who's got a significant job uh, with the USFL, where's the executive vice president. Daryl, welcome back. Brian, how you doing? Great to talk to you. <laughs> Great. Uh, you're finally here in the backstretch. You moved, to, you moved your show from Birmingham to Canton, Ohio. Philadelphia Stars were able to advance to play the Birmingham Stallions, and here's why. Trailing by one, this 88-yard run back, 
by Maurice Alexander. Cut 37. It's a one-point contest with Buck Miller. The lefty punting it. Maurice Alexander bobbled it. Holds on, and there he goes. All USFL kick returner showing what he could do. Tries to answer Kavate Turpin, who took one back 78 yards for the lead. And he does the same for 88 and puts Philadelphia back on top. Philadelphia go on to win 19-14. They're in the finals. Uh, New Orleans Breakers would fall to the Birmingham Stallions 31-17. How does it feel to know you're, I don't know, 72 hours away from the end of your first season? Very mixed, very mixed. Um, you know, it's it's been a, a heavy lift. It's a lot of great people working long hours and putting a ton of effort into this, uh, really kind of reacting in real time, which was probably one of the most challenging things for us at the beginning. Um, and, and I thought we did a really, really good job with that. I don't think we ever had a real glaring mistake that set us back. Um, we continued to grow week after week, and it was one of the things we wanted to emulate the team's as they were going through their preparation for the season and then through the course of our regular season was we, we know we're not going to be at our best in the beginning. Let's make sure we are at the end. And, and I watched our group get better and better from, from day to day, week to week. And, and that's the only thing you can ask for. So, um, you know, at the end, it was even a little bit challenging there. As you pointed out, we're up in Canton right now, but we went back and forth between Legion Field. You know, we had a Garth Brooks concert, and then we had the uh, the World Games coming to Birmingham. Uh, and we had to change venues a couple of times down there. So just, you know, nobody nobody was upset. Nobody complained. Everybody just put their, their hard hat on and went to work. So it, it's a great job by a great group of people. And that that's kind of the sad part. You know, it, it's, it's going to come to an end on Sunday and, you know, I've, I've challenged everybody. You know, when we won our Super Bowls in Dallas, I always felt like we never took enough time to celebrate everything we had done that year. I mean, it, it is really, really hard to win a Super Bowl. Uh, and you got to have a little bit of luck there. And we just moved right on to the next season. We never really, you know, took two weeks, took three weeks, and got together as a group, as a team, um, and celebrated what we just accomplished. So I, I really, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure that everybody does that this time around because it, it has been a lot of work. Uh, you know, there have been, you know, some challenging times and I want us to make sure we go back and share the, the, the stories of success and uh, make sure everybody realizes, you know, what a great job this was getting us to this point where we can finish year one. Absolutely. Uh, so we, the championship Sunday is going to be on Fox. It's going to be at 7:30 on Sunday on the network television, Birmingham Stallions, uh, against the Philadelphia Stars, Stallions come in nine and one, but they were the only team to really have home games. They had a good, real good fan base that built because everybody played in the same venue. Uh, Philadelphia comes in at six and four, uh, and now you also are in Canton, Ohio. What's it been like seeing the best of the best and walking through Canton, Ohio, and also knowing USFL stuff is in there? Yeah. That that's that's been amazing, um, you know, for the guys to go in. It's it's not the NFL Football Hall of Fame; it's the Professional Football Hall of Fame. Um, so th- there's there's memorabilia and archive stuff from all the different professional leagues. And you know, for me, it was really great. On on Friday, we we arrived in uh, in Cleveland on Thursday, went down to Canton on Friday for our first visit, getting ready for the games on Saturday. And and we wanted to have a day to to celebrate our players and our coaches and and thank them 
for everything they did. So they, they went out and they had some walkthroughs and we got them a tour through the museum. Um, and it was just really interesting to see how many players and coaches, there was a couple of coaches that I was really surprised had never been to Canton. So to, to be able to give them that experience. Um, and then when we gathered together right near the end, you know, to have lunch with all four teams, we brought Jimmy Johnson in to just kind of give them a message going into the, into that first round of the playoffs. And I mean, he hit on every point that, that I would have liked him to have a message to our players for. And it, it was unbelievable. And, you know, one of the last questions I thought was, was really, really good. One of our players asked, you know, if, if you were looking at us as players in the USFL, you know, what would you be looking for? And, and Jimmy talked about, well, obviously I need to see how good of a football player you are and evaluate that from the film study, but I need to know what kind of man you are. So I'm going to call your coaches that you've played for that I know players that you played with that I have connections to. I'm going to find all about you as a person and then see how that matches with you as a football player. And if that's somebody that I want to build a franchise around. So I think it was really important for our guys to hear. Right. It's not only about what you do on the football field. It's who you are as a man and, and what is your integrity and your character. Also is the love of the sport. I mean, for you to play and grind it out, have one more shot at professional football. It's not like baseball or soccer where there's a million divisions. You could be a pro and, you know, you can make uh, and Major League Lacrosse and there's a place to go, you know, but pretty much it's, it's part-time Major League Lacrosse and unless you're a handful of players. Major League Soccer finally has a series of divisions. Baseball's got about four different divisions. And now you have with football, it's like you didn't make the NFL. There's no world league to go to. There's no Italian league to go to like basketball. There's no G League like basketball. Now for the first time, there's a place for a player to develop that didn't peak, you know, at 20 years old and play at Alabama. There's a player that may be coming to their own own at 23 or needs one more shot now that they're healthy at 25, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the the big thing is 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 the leagues in in every sport has moved this way. Analytics has become such a big part of the evaluation process. So we've got measurables in the NFL, and you know some of these guys just don't meet that measurable, that standard. You know the thirty three inch arm for a tackle. Um, you know just some of these numbers are so specific, um, and and a lot of times if you stay really hard and true to these these measurables. Um, you know, some of these guys fall through the cracks. And, and did you watch the film? Did you see what a good player is? Yeah, maybe he's not as tall as you would like. He's not the prototype guy when you look at him from, from a body standpoint. But look at him on film. You know, that, that is not the issue with this guy. He's a heck of a football player. So I think that there's an opportunity to find that type of guy. Uh, and one of the things that was really good for me during this whole process this year was, you know, I've always thought about, getting them back to the NFL, exactly what you just talked about, Brian. You know, it, it, there's not another opportunity for him to go somewhere until uh, we were able to provide that for him this year in the USFL. Um, so, you know, so in, in that situation, you know, it's not about getting them back there because a lot of times they've already been there. Why didn't you stay there? Why didn't you, you know, stick on a roster for two years, right. three years? What is it about your game that we can help you correct down here at the USFL level? So the next time you get that opportunity, you know, you walk through that door. You just don't knock on it. Well, uh, real quick, about 30 seconds, Daryl Johnston. Uh, next year, what's going to be different? Uh, we're just going to learn from the things that we, we 
know we can get better at here in year one. Um, there's talk about a northern hub. You mentioned about Birmingham having a home game every weekend down there in Alabama. We'd love to provide that for one of the teams in our north division. So a lot of talk about the potential for a hub in the northern part. So we'd be four and four around the country. Um, you know, that, that means we would travel a little bit during the course of the season. Uh, but, but that's one of the big things. We saw the response uh, by the Birmingham fans, and, and we'd love to be able to provide that for one of our other franchises in year two. Check out the championship game Sunday, July 3rd, 7.30 on Fox. Daryl Joss, congratulations. Great job. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Two uh, major rulings have come down from the Supreme Court, as predicted today, last day to do it. They came up with a judgment. They release it when they want. Uh, the Supreme Court has dealt President Biden's climate agenda a serious blow by siding against the EPA, They saying flat-out overreach. They cannot... Uh, 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 with with um, unanimity, uh, just decide uh, what will uh, fly in terms of fossil fuels and energy. Uh, and a bunch of states, uh, Republican states, sued for that right. So the EPA is overruled. But Joe Biden does get a victory uh, for his administration because the end of Remain in Mexico happens. That was put in place by Trump. That was immediately overturned by Biden. It was stayed by a judge. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And now there's no more reason to stay in Mexico. They can come flood our border. I hope the president's happy about that. He'll consider that a victory. But for us, it's a huge loss. In a matter of moments, I'm going to be going with uh, Stuart Varney to do a simulcast there. I'll see where he wants to go. He's wrapping up his trip into the G7. So now let's go listen Hi, to Stuart Varney. Let's Kamala do a simulcast. Harris. <laughs> Kamala Harris is blaming uh, Governor Abbott of Texas and Trump for the border mess and that terrible migrant tragedy. But it's never their fault, is it? And if it happened under Trump, what would happen, do you think? What, what would they be saying about Trump right now? Uh, they'd be saying Donald Trump perfectly, uh, personally uh, suffocated those 53 people, that it was his idea, that he doesn't like Hispanics. And you're talking about a tractor trailer, which was done as a clone to make it look like it belonged to this Alamo company, when that Alamo company was a refrigerator truck, but this was just painted there to get through the border. And in the back were people that paid up to $10,000. So figure that, uh, dozens in the back, $10,000 each, get them into the U.S., and they can stay. Because that's the word. You can't deport people, especially if you find yourself in a sanctuary city. So all 50, 53 are dead. The drivers on meth tried to pretend as if he was uh, he was a victim, too. He's going to go to jail, hopefully for life, along with his accomplices. He got through the border. Part of the reason why these this is happening is because they have made it come one, come all to the border. Out of everything that Joe Biden has done wrong, possibly the most inexcusable is allowing that border to fall apart. And the Supreme Court just helped him by deciding that remain in Mexico has got to go. Now all those thousands that are in Mexico, and they were not enforcing it like they should, which is against the, against the rule of law, are going to come flooding to our border, and it's going to be a, a, just a turnstile because this administration has no interest in cracking down. Think about this. Kamala Harris says the governor of Texas is playing politics. Really? The governor that has to use his National Guard because you won't? The governor has to use the Texas Rangers because you won't? The governor will have to build his own wall because you're not using the wall we paid for. You're letting it stack up in the desert. And the governor is playing politics. And the vice president sits where? In California or Washington, D.C.? 
as the borders are doing zero. It's exasperating. I'm going to editorialize about that in just a moment. But another one for you, Brian. 85% of the people believe we are heading in the wrong direction as a country. And that includes 78% of Democrats polled. I don't see how the president can turn this around. I don't. He, you know what he blames? He goes, well, I blame the Supreme Court. In Madrid, Spain, he says, well, the American people yeah. have been uh, misled and let down by the Supreme Court who are taking away their rights. Really? There are a lot of people that are happy with the Supreme Court decision. That is not why those numbers are so high. He says, well, you can't blame us. Our inflation is low compared to other countries. Really? France is lower. Japan's 2.4 percent. Yeah. China's lo lower. Uh, yeah. Everybody, everybody, uh, the U.K. is lower. There's no, nobody the with U higher inflation than us. So his UK excuses for that are answer higher. are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, is, is the U.K. and Spain, they do have a higher inflation rate. But everybody else has a lower inflation rate than us. That's according to my latest statistics, anyway. Um, I have the I U.K. at 7.8 percent, the U.S. at 8.3, Italy at 6, Japan 2.5, Germany at 7.4, France at 4.8. Yes, that's why we're depressed, because our inflation's so low. Yeah, you're, okay. He made a number of mistakes along those lines, talking about inflation. And so far, he's not had to walk it back. I think he should. And by the way, I noticed that Peter Ducey did not get a question. He only answered five questions in 27 minutes, and Peter Ducey was left out. No, no question. That? I'm not surprised. Uh, Brian, thanks very much for being with us this morning. I know we'll see you again soon. Go get thanks, him, Stuart. Thanks. one 408 7669 I'll be able to take some calls. But it's really outrageous. The President of the United States saying he is calling for a carve-out of the filibuster in order to pass and codify Roe v. Wade. But the way it's written, that means in America, you will allow abortion up until the ninth month. Please tell me how that's not murder. Ninth month. So, you know, if you look at Supreme Court Justice, Chief uh, Justice Roberts, he said we should make it, uh, knock it down to 15 weeks from 24 weeks. That would be the compromise. But the, the other conservative court justices do not want to do that. So they just knocked out Roe v. Wade. And that has, you know, for the most part, most polls show that over 50 percent of the country wanted it to stand. But when it comes to termination of a pregnancy, when they talk about the weeks, the more the weeks go up, the less that number, the lower that number is of people that approve of abortion. So that would have been somewhat of a compromise. But the administration now is something to run against and something to vilify an equal branch of government. They are vilifying and totally comfortable with. In fact, here's what the president said uh, about an hour ago about the Supreme Court ruling and the Supreme Court in Madrid, Spain. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights, and it is a mistake in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. Okay. Sitting there in Madrid, Spain, criticizing our own government, you wonder why people shake their head and say, yeah, America's coming apart. And this guy, 78 years old, has been doing the same job for 50 years. Now he knows what to say overseas and not say overseas. And he's either he's just too ignorant, lost his mind, or doesn't care. So he's been here and getting an earful. He should have done more before he left. Kellyanne Conway brought that up, that he seemed a, a little uh, catatonic about the whole thing. So now he's trying to compensate. As usual, they overreact this administration uh, because they underreact for so long. 
Who knows what he's capable of doing when he does come home? You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't forget, Fox Nation, What Made America Great, brand new season now. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to have a big hour coming your way. Consequential one, consequential week, much like last week. If you want to go inside the economy, find out where it's heading, what we could be doing as the market has dropped 371 points. It dropped as much as 460, so this is relatively good news. It's it's dropping, but not it's not dropping as much. Uh, and I think the president's getting the ruling, the Supreme Court ruling against his uh, EPA. I think it's going to help the economy. I think people realize that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by LifeVac. Save a life in a choking emergency. Visit LifeVac.net to learn more and use code BK10 to save 10%. Number three. I'm absolutely confident in her credibility. Uh, I'm confident in her testimony. The committee is not going to stand by and watch her character be assassinated by anonymous sources and by men who are claiming executive privilege. Make or break time for the January 6th committee after their star witness has her story challenged by the Secret Service and some of her main sources. If Cheney and Schiff do not let the Secret Service testify, their credibility, what's left of it, gone. Number two. New high in his disapproval rating. It's over 57% for the first time. Yeah, how about Biden under scrutiny? From the ongoing trip overseas that is now wrapping up to his domestic troubles at home to his cratering approval ratings, he's facing pressure on all sides, including people on the left that do not want him to run. What about the right? Number one. We also need to take seriously the fact that we have a broken immigration system that was decimated by the last administration. Kamala Harris, arrest made in the three in the horrid deaths of 53 in an abandoned 18-wheeler on the border in Texas. The White House reaction? Blame Trump. It's laughable yet predictable as we await the Supreme Court decision that might force the administration to keep one of its least most uh, effective Trump policies. That decision is now in. I'm talking about remain in Mexico. And guess what? They no longer have to remain in Mexico. The Supreme Court ruled alongside and with the Biden administration saying they have the ability to overturn an international agreement with Mexico. So all those thousands sitting in Mexico can now go storm to the border and Mexico will not hesitate to stop and we can't stop them from coming through. That's bad news all around. You might be happy if you're the Biden administration. I really don't know if you're happy. Do you really know a lot of Americans who want their kids' crowd, uh, schools overcrowded? Do you really want to know if you're an American, if you want to know your tax dollars are going to people from other nations looking to grift off you? Do you really want to know that we're going to be giving your tax dollars to NGOs to give it to illegals to come into our country and use our social services? I don't even know if that's a Democrat or Republican question. The other big story is the EPA can't overreach. Uh, the, you do have a chance, if you are West Virginia and those 12 other states or the 50 states, to push back against the suffocating environmental pressures. Unbelievable. That is really good news. So the Supreme Court called illegitimate by this president about an hour ago, essentially. Uh, it's, uh, the crazy decisions that they can't understand with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. 
with allowing these kids to take the money afforded them and allocated for them for public school to now go to private school after a main ruling. This has been a just a huge session, a uh, huge session for the Supreme Court. Joining me now, Andy McCarthy has been commenting on this uh, on television as it happened. Andy, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Can you bring us through the two decisions today? First, the EPA. Well, I think, Brian, what you know, everybody talked about whether they were going to try to take on this uh, Chevron doctrine, which is basically this legal test about um, how much deference the courts need to give to administrative agencies when they interpret the rules that Congress or the laws that Congress gives them. I think the court is taking a route around Chevron. So we have a different doctrine now that that is coming into focus. There's been some hints about this in other cases we've talked about during the term, like the OSHA case where they tried to have the vaccine mandate and and so on. Um, what, What the court is homing in on is what they call this major questions doctrine. And what that basically says is if an administrative agency is going to take a position that it has authority to make major radical shifts in policy, which is what they mean by major questions. They have to show that they have a clear and unambiguous grant of authority from Congress. So the court's not saying that the agencies can't do these things, but they are basically saying that the principal responsibility for this kind of dramatic policy is the representatives who actually answer to the voters, not, uh, you know, not administrative agencies and bureaucrats who are insulated from political accountability. These so green that's a welcome change. A couple of things. I think it is. These green maniacs who are shut, shutting down power plants and wondering why we're having rolling blackouts, who don't have any idea what fuels this country and fuels the world, just see coal as evil, oil as bad, natural gas as the enemy, and even nuclear energy as the enemy. Now they're not going to have absolute authority over these states. Is that correct? That's right, Brian. And the other good thing about this is that, you know, members of Congress, it's good that they have power, but that also means they don't get to hide under their desks. You know, they don't get to go on uh, our shows on on cable and go into the media and say, gee whiz, you know, there's nothing we can really do about this because the agency says this or the court says that. What the court is basically saying is, you know, put your big boy pants on and be accountable. Um, You know, they're going to give it to Congress to do this, which is the way it's supposed to work. Andy McCarthy with us now. Andy, the other big ruling one against the one against uh, the con- the conservative school of thought was the Remain in Mexico policy. So effective, my opinion, under Donald Trump, reversed under Joe Biden. Courts put it back into play, and then they stayed the decision. It goes up to the Supreme Court. What did they decide on Remain in Mexico? Well, basically, they gave the Biden administration a narrow win, Brian. And even though I'm with you, I think the remain in Mexico policy is crucial. Uh, I thought a couple of months ago when this case got argued that the government, uh, that the states were going to lose, even though I thought as a matter of statutory law, they have the better of the argument. The, The overarching statute that Congress has enacted here says that if you're not in this country legally, you shall be detained until the end of your, uh, proceedings if you want to challenge the government's ability to uh, basically boot you out of the country. And what the court is saying is, well, yeah, Congress did say that, but they've said other things, too, where they say may instead of shall. And uh, if Congress was serious about detaining everyone, they would have uh, voted funding for and resources to do that. We don't have enough. uh, You know, we have about uh, two million people come into the country in a year. and We got about 30,000 people. 
spaces to detain people. So um, they, they're basically saying Congress isn't serious when it says shall, so it must have meant something else. But more fundamentally, um, the court has no power to force a, a president and, and much less a foreign country to negotiate a deal. And unless the only way you can have remain in Mexico is if the American administration is not only on board with it, but gets Mexico to be on board with it, which the court really doesn't have authority to, to do anything about. So I think they're as frustrated about this. So maybe they're happy that they, they can't do anything about it. But one way or the other, uh, they're giving the administration a wide berth because what else can they do? They can't force them to negotiate with Mexico. Uh, Andy McCarthy with us. Andy, uh, I want you to hear the president of the United States about an hour ago talk about the Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, in Madrid, Spain. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights, and it is a mistake in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. Your your take on his statement, which is his take on the Supreme Court. Well, I think the president should be censured by Congress for this. It's outrageous. Of course, it won't happen. And let's let's be real about the politics of this, uh, Brian. Um, the left has decided to run against what they would what they will frame as the Donald Trump Supreme Court because they don't want to run either in the midterms or in 2024 on Joe Biden's awful record. Uh, so they have to run against something. And what they'd like to run against is Trump. That's why we're seeing the January 6th committee hearings now, 17 months after the riot happened and after impeachment happened. It's front and center again because they want to run against Trump. And now they think the Supreme Court is the best way to run against Trump, so they're trying to run against Trump. But for the president of the United States overseas to be taking a shot at the Supreme Court like that is about as reprehensible. Uh, if you want this government to function well um, and its institutions to be legitimate, to have the president of the United States use the bully pulpit in a foreign country to attack the Supreme Court is despicable. And it is. It's, it's an opinion. And then he goes out of his way to say, I will do everything in my power to codify Roe v. Wade, including just for this moment, this window, getting rid of the filibuster. And he's going to be taking all ideas about that. So is this the moment you want to get rid of the filibuster? Number one, you don't even have your own caucus in line. Right. He's not serious about this, Brian. It's, this, is, this is politics. And there is no one-off for getting rid of the filibuster. Uh, you know, McConnell has been very clear about this. You know, we're not doing anything. The filibuster is there for everything or it's there for nothing. There's not going to be a situation where we're going to be able to say justice once, because as we all know, there's no such thing as justice once. Right. And you would think the Democrats by now would have learned their lesson because what they were able to, to brush the filibuster aside for was judicial confirmations. And it was, you know, maybe even more than Donald Trump and, and uh, Mitch McConnell, the one who's singularly responsible for the conservative majority on the Supreme Court today is Harry Reid, uh, you know, the Democratic then yeah. um, majority leader in the Senate. So they should know by now that they end gotcha. up ultimately getting burned by this, uh, by this policy, but they keep going to the well. Andy, so. I'm going to give you time and a half for how the Supreme Court has you working for the last two weeks. 
Um, but I really appreciate the instant analysis. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I'd like to see the invoice. I will satisfy it. Thank you. Uh, when we come back, I go to the border. We'll remain in Mexico. will no longer be in place, but Griff Jenkins is. Brian Kilmeade. Honest commentary. Unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have to change, I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law. And the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights, it should be, we provide an exception for this, the the, require an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision. Wow. So he knew he was going to get that question, and his answer was, I am supporting a carve-out with a filibuster. And as was brought up to us moments ago, Andy McCarthy says, you can't just carve out what you want and not think you're setting a precedent to get rid of a filibuster. Let's say the Republicans have an agenda that Joe Biden doesn't like. Should there be a Republican or Democrats don't want? Should there be a Republican president and a Republican Senate? Do you really want a country like that? We thought we were pretty clear that we wanted that balance, some sense that you have to go across the aisle. And, you know, Mitch McConnell's been been pretty steadfast about that. You don't like where he handles Supreme Court. I get it if you're a Democrat. But you probably understand that he pushed back on Donald Trump every time he said blow up the filibuster. Joe Biden said, for now, you should blow it up. The problem is, and Andy McCarthy says he isn't serious, but the problem is Joe Manchin's a pro-life Democrat. I don't believe he wants to blow up the filibuster anyway. Here's Kirsten Cinema. I don't think John Tester wants to blow up it anyway either. What if you're in a red state and a Democratic senator? Not everybody is upset that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Mr. President, you think we're in a national depression where I think 78% of the people think we're heading in the wrong direction because Roe v. Wade was overturned? Because you went out of your way to, to, to put down the Supreme Court? A lot of people are happy. It's a lifelong dream come true. Understand, not everyone wakes up with the green agenda you pretend to have, and not everyone grows get, gets up in the morning hoping to have an abortion and hopes that it's free and affordable. And what, with the question that was brought up to him, which is real interesting, because he is, his view of abortion, even though he's been a Democrat his entire life, has evolved. Remember, he, he, wanted to get, he wanted to overturn Roe v. Wade initially in, in the 1970s. And then he just, he, they wanted to have it so rare and they wanted to limit it. And now he's totally changed where he wants everyone to have one, at least one. And he's that outraged by it, as usual. They're slow to react to this administration because they have no idea where the American people are at. He got hit by his left by not having a plan. So now he's going to overreact and overcorrect. So I'm going to meet on Friday with Democratic governors to find out what I could actually do in terms of codifying Roe v. Wade or trying to get around it. The fact that it's up to each state to decide your own abortion rules. What's pretty amazing, too, is that Greg Abbott, for the most part, um, you know, made, uh, made it pretty clear what he wants to do in terms of abortion. You have the Mississippi governor very clear what he wants to do in court of abortion. But then you have things like, for example, a Republican governor in a purple state like Governor Yunkin, who said, I'm thinking we're going to put, put forward 15 weeks. 
You wonder if Lee Zeldin wants to be the governor here in a re- in a very blue state like New York. Say, my hey, my personal beliefs are zero, but in this state where Democrats outnumber Republicans two to one, maybe I'll put a, I, I can support a limitation on it. And that's what he, every governor's he or she and those governors have to decide on. What I think is so despicable is what the president did, trying to vilify the court, trying to delegitimize a co-equal branch of government. And then if take take Clarence Thomas, who wrote the opinion, and try to say he's selling out the black race. Tim Scott knows all about that. This is how he answered that question last night. Cut eight. I certainly think that the greatest threat to the liberal coalition are black conservatives who stand up and think for ourselves. We, we represent the fact that the African-American community is not a monolithic community. If you could ever break the stronghold that the Democrats have in the African-American community, the entire coalition falls apart. And think about this, Jesse. President Biden's approval ratings have never been lower in the African-American community and the Hispanic community. The last thing people want to see are people like Clarence Thomas, Ben Carson, and myself standing up and making common sense popular everywhere in the nation. And oh, by the way, we happen to be black. That is a great threat to the entire coalition on the left. So they want to shut it down, cancel Clarence Thomas because he dares to think for himself. But more importantly, don't you think for yourself because they want the price to be so high that you don't ever dare to leave wherever they say you should sit. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're going to see more African-Americans come to the, to the Republican Party. I know you're going to see Hispanics. And I think it's going to jar the Democrats to their core because they can no longer say it's Trump's fault or Trump's an abomination or this or that. They're going to sit there and say, what happened? Trump policies, no policies, Biden policies. You have to look in the mirror and say, if you want the Hispanic vote, why are you losing it? If you want the black vote, even though there's, most of it's in the Democratic camp inexplicably, because Denver Republicans have put a plan, you have to wonder why you're losing more African-Americans. And you'll see that in Georgia, first and foremost, as two African-Americans vie for the Senate seat. But another Republican black man named Herschel Walker, he wants to be the next uh, senator from Georgia. See what type of racial attacks he has to absorb. When we come back, the economic woes. We're now down just 253 points, I believe, because of one of the Supreme Court rulings. I'll go over that when we come back with Stephen Moore, an economic genius. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The bottom line is, ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. The reason why the food crisis exists is because of Russia. Russia not allowing grain to get out of Ukraine. And so that's the, that's the way in which I think we should move, and I think it would have a positive impact on the price of the pump as well. What's he even talking about? That's the President of the United States in Madrid finally taking questions, first time in months. That gets the question about why gas prices are so high. What are you doing about it? And he basically blames Russia for all of it. That's just not accurate. He's been told that over and over again. It just doesn't sink in. Griff Jenkins is coming up about 15 minutes to talk about the other major issue. And there's like five major issues. But one is at the border. The death of the 53 and the 18-wheeler has captured the attention of the entire world. 
and that includes the president of the United States finally talking about the border. Stephen Moore with us now, a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation and an economist with Freedom Works. You also hear him at one of our local affiliates, mm. our covered affiliate 77 WABC, More Money with Stephen Moore, right? Yes, Brian, and, and we were just talking off air that, you know, I, I love being able to talk to people on the air. Right. Because you get a sense of what America is thinking. And, what, you know, I've been in Washington for 30 years. It's a bubble. People in Washington don't talk to people in, in New York, or they don't talk to people in Maine and Montana. And so they don't know what's going on. And, and you really learn a lot. I don't know if you agree with this, from just talking to everyday Americans about oh, what, yeah. they, what their concerns are and what, they, what their priorities are. And, and so I love doing it. And it's a lot of fun. So a couple of things. If that is, in fact, the case, and Washington people hang out with Washington people, and the yeah. Hollywood people hang out with Washington, yeah, exactly. and the New York hang, the fact that I'm not in the in crowd makes me a better host. Because it does. I, that's exactly like, right. I, I'm, I'm happily with the out crowd. Yeah. I live on Long Island. I work in the city. I get up so early in the morning, nobody wants to hang out with me at night because i got to go to bed so early. And then on the weekends, I'm exhausted. Saturday, I can go out, and uh, I usually go out one night. So we that a, doesn't allow me to hang out with the elite. Yeah. Like I just, I should be with the elite, but I'd rather yeah. be with the people. We had a big dinner last night. The reason I'm in town in New York, we had. A, how about this? We had... Art Laffer, Larry Kudlow, Steve Forbes, and about 30 of us, and we invited you and said, no, that's way past my bedtime. So, yeah, uh, I mean, but, I, but, I did want to do it, but I'd have to go 90 minutes, two hours home <laughs> afterwards. But thanks for the invite. So, Stephen, first off, your yeah. reaction to the president's diagnosis on the economy, on gas prices, is it all Russia? Well, first of all, what happened in NATO this, this week was a disgrace. In what way? Uh, they're talking about windmills. You know, here we have, uh, you know, a a uh, crisis, a world a food crisis. We've got the highest energy crisis ever. We've got Putin on the march in Ukraine, all of these world crises going on. And these morons are talking about how we're going to build more windmills. And in Angola. Energy. Pardon me? In Angola. In Angola. In Angola. And here's the thing. I mean, this is really important for people to understand. Do you know what currency over the last four or five months has risen the most? What? The ruble. Yep. The ruble. Now, think about how I thought these sanctions were going to punish. Now, initially they did. Do you know why the ruble is rising? He's demanding being paid in rubles. Yes. And he's making a fortune on oil. And when did the oil price start going up? When Biden came in. Why? You know the answer, because he declared war on oil. And so our production is down. We estimate if with Trump still in office, we'd be producing about three or four million more barrels a day. And Putin wouldn't have. So when he comes talking about Putin, Putin, Putin. Brian, the, unfortunately, the United States has enabled this to happen. Now, the news today is that he wants to put a price cap on what countries can buy the Russian oil. Guess what country is not going to comply with that? Russia. Well, I mean, who do I want to sell it to? China. China, exactly. So we're playing right into the hands of our enemies. You've got a Russia-China axis, which we've been trying to avoid for the last 50 or 60 years. It's a dangerous world out there. It's a wor- world where the American, the United States is supposed to be the leader of the free world. But when Biden goes to these nations and talks, I'm sorry, you know, where are the Winston Churchills? Where are the Ronald Reagans? Where are the John F. Kennedys? Where are the, where are the Margaret Thatchers? None of them were there in NATO. They're all a bunch of milk toasts. So what they need to do is a lot of these crops that are put aside for uh, fossil, not for fossil fuels, for clean burning fuels. For um, for energy, now have to be converted according to Boris Johnson. He goes, let's use it for food yeah. because a lot of people are starving <laughs> to death, and we are pushing back on that. That to me is insane. It, it is insane. Now I want to give you a little bit of good news. 
So this morning, you you reported on this this uh, Supreme Court decision on, on the West Virginia yeah, and the coal tell, plants. The, just this for everyone to know, the EPA lost. The That's administration right. lost, uh, and the EPA's powers diminished. In what way? Well in shutting down our electric power plants. And, you know, you've been covering this story. We've got uh, a, a real risk, the utilities are telling us, of blackouts and brownouts throughout the country, from California to Michigan to New York, because they're running out of electric power, because we're shutting down our coal plants, we're shutting down our natural gas plants, we're shutting down our nuclear plants. And I'm sorry, you're not going to provide enough electric power for a $24 trillion American economy that produces everything from cars to, to, uh, to construction projects to technology with windmills. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And Europe is backing away from wind and solar they as are. well. In fact, did you see the story this week uh, that, uh, that um, uh, Germany, Germany is now moving towards coal? Now, they have to. I mean, there's so many crazy parts of the story. So in the last five years, the United States, we've reduced our coal um, production by about 50%. Guess what country's coal production is through the roof? China. China. It's up. It's quadrupled. So all we're doing, folks, is we're costing jobs in America. And by the way, we have much cleaner energy than China. Do you think China has any environmental standards? Of course they don't. So we're, we're substituting clean coal for dirty coal. So I'm going to even make the case to you, Brian, not only is this bad for the economy, not only is it bad for our national security, it's even bad for the environment because we're shifting from – Clean coal to dirty coal. So tell everybody what it means in from, uh, practical terms with the EPA oh, ruling okay, sorry, by the Supreme I got off Court. Yeah. So what this is going to allow us to do is open up more of our coal plants. I mean, look, Brian, this country was built on coal. Coal is not a sinister fuel. We wouldn't be the industrial power we are had it not been for coal. We've got to use our coal, our natural gas, our oil. Yes, when appropriate, wind and solar. I'm not against them. We should use nuclear and what this is saying, this decision is saying, is the war on coal by the EPA is over. Thank God. Because coal is one of the most efficient and reliable and cheapest forms of energy. And by the way, we have more coal than any other country in the world. We right. have 500 years worth of coal. Yeah, we're the Saudi Arabia of coal. We are. And we are actually the, uh, the Saudi Arabia of oil. We so, are. With, thanks to fracking and horizontal drilling, we have 300 years worth of oil. We have at least 400 years of natural gas. Uh, we should be producing it all. It would be good for the environment, good for the economy, good for our workforce. It would bring prices down. And I'm sorry, you were asking me, why is the market in this big sell-off? Nobody has any confidence in this president. Nobody. Nobody. No investor has, has – all he's talking about – now, he's talking it's about – It's down about back th- just under 300. Sorry? It's down right now. Yeah. Uh, 278 points. was down as much as 470. This uh, has been the worst because July 1st is the end of the first half of the year. This has been the worst first half of the year of the stock market in decades. But yet the president always points to look at the unemployment rate. Look yeah. at the jobs. Those numbers are good to the point where they're bad because you yeah. have so many open jobs. Yeah. The labor force is depleted. It is. And um, we're still about a million jobs below we were, where we were pre-COVID. So we've got to get people back in the workforce. But I'm really worried about our small businesses. Look at the small business confidence numbers. There, We are in a soft recession right now, Brian, a soft recession. And the, what we have to make sure is we don't have a crash landing. Uh, tell me one thing, Brian, that this president has proposed in the last three months that's going to give you any confidence that he knows what he's doing or his economic team knows. Because I can't think of one. Well, I would say that I'll tell you what he would say. He would say, look what I'm doing with the strategic oil reserve. 
Look what I did. We're going to run suspending. out of it. We're going to run out of that if we keep. You know, the reserve is for an emergency. We keep depleting that. We're going to have to fill it up again. That's not a solution. Nor is it a solution to cut the gas tax. Now that's fine if you want to cut the gas tax. But these are band aids. You might save twenty cents a gallon, Brian. The price of gasoline has gone from two fifty to five dollars. It's gone up by two dollars and fifty cents a gallon. These are band aids. There's only one solution to the energy crisis. America has to produce more energy right now. Right. Uh, and, and I think we're capable of doing it. He just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. So the oil and gas companies come to, come to Washington last week and they meet and they talk about things to get done. From your, from your research, yeah. does, did they get anything done in that 90-minute meeting with Granholm? No. I mean, first of all, that's a big part of this. Do you think Jennifer Granholm knows anything about energy? No. I mean, her, her energy solution, everybody should go buy do, an electric car. Do you, do you think uh, Xavier Becerra knows anything about health and human do you services? Think that, uh, do you think that Pete Buttigieg knows anything about transportation? Judging I, by the way the fights are going, by the way the supply chain's happening, right. by the way he's taking he's on, a billion— He's on paternity leave. Right. You know, so listen, uh, he, just, he's, he just pledged a billion dollars to build equity into roads. He's going to give states money to show how in the past roads hurt <laughs> under on a, uh, working communities. Well, let's just build roads. A billion roads. dollars <laughs> of our money. <laughs> let's just build roads, folks. But uh, we, we've got a crisis. I was telling you off air, we've got a big study coming out next week. shows the the majority of the top people, top 100 people in the Biden administration have zero business experience. That tells you everything. They have no idea how business operates, how to meet a payroll, how to deal with logistical issues. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is going to, the guy who's going to, I mean, he seems like a nice man, but he knows nothing about this. Bring in a Fred Smith or bring in one of our top executives who runs things to deal with the crisis. Right. Um, you've talked to President Trump lately? or I've talked to him about two months ago. And your your feeling about him coming back again and seeing a lot of his policies being outdone, undone? It's you know what what I told the president. I said, Mr. President, every day that Joe Biden is in office, your presidency looks better. I think if this stays up going on for three or four more months, people are going to be clamoring in the streets for Joe for Donald Trump. There are a lot of people who don't like Donald Trump. I didn't even always like his antics, but my God, Brian, you got to admit, folks, whether you like Donald Trump or not, his policies were amazing. Amazing. We had the best recovery ever. Lowest unemployment rate, lowest uh, uh, biggest wage gains, lowest poverty rate for minorities, women, Hispanics. You see what's happening with the Hispanic approval rating for, yeah. for Biden? He went from 65 percent. I never thought I would see it in my lifetime. Approval. But I want to ask you this. With the, you had so much to do with tax reform. I never have seen the numbers. I thought when you lowered the corporate tax rate, all these businesses would be coming back faster than they are. What was the reality? Because some decided to buy their own stock. Um, some decided not to come back. There's no reason not to bring your manufacturing and your power base home when you guys got the corporate tax rate. We did. We did. We brought a trillion dollars of investment capital back to the United States. We had biggest wage gains. We had huge, uh, you know, as I said, all of those statistics. The economy is booming. But this have, is my but biggest have, the, have major companies come back like you thought they would? Um, yeah, they did. We, we brought, and they expanded their operations here in the United States. We increased manufacturing jobs. We saw middle income wages rise. Uh, I will say this, that my biggest frustration right now is that if Donald Trump were still president, we wouldn't be talking about a recession. We wouldn't be talking about a falling stock market. We wouldn't be talking about, you know, Putin. I don't even think Putin would have gone into Russia in the first, I mean, uh, you know, Ukraine in the first place. If Donald, Do you agree with me on that? I don't I, think I, he would have. I can't quite figure it out, but I know there was a reason why for four years they didn't. But I don't think, you know what I think hurt? They could, we couldn't talk for four years. 
as bad as I think Putin is, he's yeah. a modern-day Hitler and Stalin. Yeah. I get it. But when you can't talk for four years because of a, a false narrative— That's a great point. Uh, it, it, you, it's it's, un, it's undetermined, undeterminable what, what kind of damage has been done. Listen to Steve Moore. Find it, get the stream, WABC stream. You can hear it nationwide. That's yeah, fine. Uh, more money. What time on Saturday? Uh, we're on at 1 p.m. Eastern time from 1 to 2, following the Larry Kudlow Show. And, by the way, people want to get our free hotline. I hope you're getting it. It is unlike the $5 trillion Build Back Better bill. It really is free. Just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity website, and we'll send it to you every morning for free. You got it. Steve Moore, great to see you. You too, Brian. All right. Great uh, Fourth of July. You got it. When we come back, we go down to the border. Griff Jenkins is standing by. They tell us the reality on the ground. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This this is not even close uh, to the first death that's occurred. There's been hundreds of people who lost their lives this year because of Biden's open border policies. Uh, And it gets worse than that. And so Biden needs to start uh, fulfilling his responsibilities as commander in chief and secure the border. Uh, that is uh, Governor Abbott quite frustrated. We hear he, I could play those sound bites every day, but this time specifically, it's based on the 53 dead in that 18 wheeler. Griff Jenkins has saw, saw more horror shows down at the border than anyone over the last 10, 15, 20 years, and he's there at, right now. Griff, welcome. Where exactly are you in Texas? Hey, Brian, so I'm in the Eagle Pass, Texas, which is right on the border, literally the Rio Grande River, where migrants are crossing by the thousands. And it's exactly the spot where Governor Abbott came yesterday and held that press conference. Literally, I think he saw uh, how much we were being hammered this week in our location. And so he decided to come there. Now, he had one purpose, and that was to announce additional measures that the state is going to take to try and crack down on the tragedies of human smuggling and the surging numbers that are out of control. A quick download here. In the six days I've been here, Brian, there have been 9,141 encounters with migrants, which means just the Del Rio sector, there have been nearly 10,000 a week. Those numbers have never, ever before uh, been seen. But now we know because of the Supreme Court's ruling to allow the Biden administration to end the Remain in Mexico or Migrant Protection Protocols, these numbers are only going to go up. This decision, make no mistake, is great news for the smuggling business, for smugglers, because everybody that we were showing in our live shots with you this week on Fox and Friends, the migrants coming across from Venezuela, which is the heaviest right now in this area, in Cuba, they are going to claim asylum. Now, unlike under the Trump administration, they won't be forced to go back in Mexico and wait at a migrant camp, which they did not want to do, and it cut down on the numbers that were coming. Instead, they can cross illegally and not be forced to go back across the border. They just stay here and claim asylum, or they don't because no one's coming to look for them because ICE has been effectively shut down. So I want you to hear what they're saying on other channels, people that don't even send a reporter down to cover this. Like, for example, MSNBC Cut 7. Right now what you're going to hear is it's the smuggler's fault, it's the smuggler's fault, it's the smuggler's fault. You know, I've been covering this for several decades now, and smugglers have been bringing people over in all of the entirety of the time that I've been covering this story. And you didn't used to hear these kinds of stories, these kinds of deaths. This is, in fact, a result of 
the police state that exists now along the U.S.-Mexico border in general. The whole Remain in Mexico policy has, it was created by the Trump administration, so you're right. The problem is that the Biden administration has not been able to rescind it. Is really that the problem? I mean, do you, do you want to take on that school of thought? I'd be glad to take on that school of thought. Listen, there is, and we can go back to, to the decades of that reporter's experience. There are two reasons people migrate illegally. The push factor, meaning the conditions in their countries, were either threatening, gangs, violence, or poverty, and they're coming for work. In the, in the, the, the push factor, in the pull factor, the pull factor is the likelihood that the migrant will succeed when they come across the border. And under this new administration, they are allowed to stay. They're released even uh, now with no court order forcing them to appear in a court with no chance that ICE is going to come for you. That pull factor has never been greater. That's why you have to ask yourself, why do these migrants put themselves uh, at risk of being killed by the cartel, of risk of dying in the heat of an 18-wheeler? They do it because those that went before them under this administration in the last 17 months easily achieved their goal, which was to get here, reunite with other family and friends, and stay and not have to have to worry about anyone sending you back across the border. That has never been stronger. And the cartels and the smugglers have never made more money because of the people willing to do it. Griff Jenkins, thanks so much. From the border, Eagle Pass, doing unbelievable work. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.